0: Welcome to Grace Community Church on Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So,
1: we're in a uh, series called The Intentional Life, and we've been looking at the book of James. Uh, today is the seventh week. We find ourselves in the book of James and um, we're going to be taking a look today at James chapter four, James chapter four. So if you've got your Bibles, which I hope you do, um, go ahead and and you can you can uh, make yourself ready by turning there now. But I want to take you all the way back to week number one, week number one. We started with James chapter one and verse one. And this is what the Bible says. It says this is a letter from James a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers that are scattered abroad. And so what we've seen so far is that the early church has been scattered. It's been completely dispersed. You know, there's persecution. This all takes place after Stephen's stoning. And, and, and the church is, is, uh, is really in a, in a bad way. I want you just to kind of put yourself In that situation, just real quick, imagine, you know, today you're doing life with your family, you're surrounded by your friends, Um, you've got your church family, your community, all of the people, you know, that you work with, you got your, you know, brothers and sisters that go to different churches in this community and, and you're just, you know what I mean, you're in a good spot, but then all of the sudden something happens and now you find yourself alone and isolated. And that's exactly what happened to the early church here. Come on. They were comfortable. God was doing incredible things. They just thought things were going to get better and better and better and better. And now they're faced with this, with this, this separation and this isolation. And we can, we can understand that a little bit. As we've come through and we're in the midst of still this pandemic. I mean, praise the Lord. We live in Idaho, the promised land. Right. Um, And we can still gather up. But I'm just telling you this. I'm telling you that I miss the way things used to be. You know what I'm saying? I miss, you know, I'm a hugger and, and sometimes I forget. And I'll go in to give somebody a hug and they're just like throwing up the, you know, Don't even come close to trying to hug me and 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 it's just it's it's just different. Right. You know what else I miss? I miss people being chill, like like being just relaxed in environments, even right now. You know, even though we're gathered up here, come on, we're a little bit more uptight than how we than how we used to be. And I'm just saying that, that 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 this pandemic has changed things. I remember before the pandemic Come on, most people had a bubble, right? Some people don't have a bubble at all. Uh, that, that bubble was probably about 24 inches, two feet. And, and it's funny, have you ever talked to somebody and, and like... You know, you're talking to them and then all of a sudden, like they're six inches from your face and they're just talking to you. And you're like, man, I haven't even been this close to my wife this week, you know, and 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 you're just like they're they're in you. Have you ever spoke to somebody like that? They're always up in your business. You take a step back and they take a step forward. You take a step back and they take a step forward. Don't be naming any names because I know some of y'all are thinking about who that person is that's all up in your in your space but now it's totally different like people's bubble it, you know, it's it's expanded. Some people, six feet is not enough. Have you ever seen that in the grocery store? I was in the grocery in Walmart the other day and there was there was a display kind of out in the out in the way. And and it was weird. It was just such a weird moment, you know, because I was stopping. There's no way we could pass one another with the six feet of separation. So I would take a step they would, and then back. And so you're kind of doing this weird dance and it's just strange. It's just a strange time. You know what they that we live in, and I just can't wait until we get back to a relaxed environment. So today in James chapter four, we're going to start with verse one. But the title of my message is simply this separation causes trouble. Separation causes trouble. I believe that there's going to be studies done on this year, this last year, 2020, You know, years from now, they're going to talk about the problems, the isolation, and and I think we're still kind of discovering what's it doing to mental health and anxiety and depression and suicide and and you know uh, you know will things ever you know return to normal? What are the kids going to be like? How is it going to affect the kids that are just little, 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 but yet you know what I mean? They're wearing masks and 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 really being cautious as far as you know their distancing and things like that. I think that there's a lot of information that we haven't we haven't even uncovered. But I want you to know that I believe that separation causes trouble. James chapter four and verse one, it says this. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? I think James is looking out and he's saying, listen, we've got a problem. We've got a situation, but you're adding to the problem. See, you're separated. You can't do really anything about that. But what is causing the division, the divisiveness, the anxiety, the depression, the anger, the slander, the gossip? Come on, what is causing the jealousy? He's identifying that because we're not together, there's additional uh, issues that have that have uh, that have that have that have surfaced. And and there's an old adage that says, an old phrase that says, when people scatter, they chatter. Have you ever heard that before? When people scatter, they chatter. You know, very seldom will you have somebody that will be super nice to your face, but then they'll talk behind your back. And let me just tell you, if you're one of those people, you need to stop it. You you really need to repent and you need to stop it. That's called being two-faced. It's called being a lot of different things, but there's no place for it in the life of a Christian. You know, somebody that talks to your face one way and then they talk behind your back a a completely um, different way. And, And so and so a lot of these things are taking place in this period of time. And that's why James is addressing it. But number one, go ahead and write this down. If you're taking notes, it says this distance causes difficulty in relationship. Distance causes difficulty in relationship. You ever tried to have a long distance relationship? I would say probably 90 to 95 percent of long distance relationships, they fail. Even with the best intents, I promise you, you know what I mean? I promise you, you're going to have my heart and I'm going to stay true and 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 and, and I'm going to be here the five percent. You know what I mean? The five percent. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's super it's super difficult because what happens is, is is a lot of the time, um, y- you know, you kind of forget about the person you have, the, the you know, and then maybe maybe possibly there's somebody else that comes into the mix that that, that has caught one of your eye and and they're present. You're not present. They're present. This is why in the military, a lot of times there's so much divorce. I always said, and I've never served in any other branch, but I always said the Marine Corps has got to be the hardest place on the planet, um, the hardest job on the planet to raise a family or to or to stay stay married because every single you know every single you know year you're at least going to be gone for six months, and the, the and the possibility of you being gone a year or two years are vast and they're great. I did a two year. Um, tour over in the Philippines, and what was crazy is, is we had some Marines that were married, and and that's two years that they did not see their wives. That's two years that they did not see their children, and so the separation causes all kinds of problems. And with the best intentions, there's a stress and a strain. In fact, what happens is, is those Marines or those military men and women, they come back. And what they find is that there have been systems and routines. And whenever you put yourself back into that system and routine, it disrupts everything. It's very difficult. You've got to be so intentional if you're a serviceman or a servicewoman and you've got a family. It can be done. It absolutely can be done. But, but, but you just kind of, you know, letting things go and not doing anything extra, um, you know, the chances are, are probably against you. Number two, distance confuses communication. Distance confuses communication. Have you ever played that game? I don't know what the name of the game is, but we'll just call it Pass It On. It's where you, it's where you whisper. There's a whole line of people and you whisper a phrase in the first person's ear. And then, and then they turn and they whisper the phrase in the next person's ear. And then they turn and they whisper the phrase in the in the next person's ear. And and by the time it gets all the way down the line to the last guy, um, you know, you started off, you know, the phrase was was let's go to Dairy Queen and get some ice cream. And by the time the last guy says it, he's got this majorly confused look on his face because that last person just told him that he would look good in their mother's dress. (laughs) And he's completely confused. You know, why would you even say, you know, such a such a thing? And so so have you ever had somebody try to speak to you through walls? I want you to think about this for a second. Anybody ever tried to speak to you through walls? Tina and I, we do this to each other all the time. You know what I'm saying? You'll think that somebody's close. And, you know, just the other day, I, I, you know, she's uh, I heard Travis and then I heard blah, blah, blah. Because because she was was in one part of the house and I was in the other part of the house. And I come out and she's like, well, you know, you didn't answer my question. I'm like, I didn't hear you. Did you understand that you were in the living room? I was past the kitchen, past the bedroom, and in the closet when you were talking. I had no idea. It sounded like you were talking underwater to me. Distance causes confusion in communication. It confuses it. And, and to understand somebody, what we have to do is we have to close the distance. Turn to your neighbor and say, close the distance. I, I remember the first time. Anybody here good at cornhole? Anybody know what cornhole is? It's a fun, fun, fun game. I remember the first time that I played cornhole. I was killing it, man. I was just like, man, I am a natural at this game. And I was putting most of them in in the hole, like I was getting three-pointer, three-pointer, 3 Somebody that had played cornhole before, he come up and he said, hey, listen, don't you know that most people play that game about twice the distance than you're playing it right now? <laughs> like I separated them about 12 feet. I could almost just reach out and just drop it in the hole. And I'm telling you, I wasn't near as good at that game whenever I separated them 24 feet, which is where they're supposed to be. Ah, still pretty good, and I'll give anybody a run for their money. But, you know, I wasn't near as good whenever whenever they were 12 feet apart. And I'm just telling you this, that life is the same way. The more space that you create, the more you're going to miss. You know, those of you that like, you know, those of you that like really any sports, um, you know, if you take a look at football, you know what I mean? Your past completion on passes that are that are 10 to 15 yards are typically much greater than if you're you know throwing the ball downfield 30 to 50 yards, right? Your 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 percentage goes up, your completion percentage goes up. Typically, the closer that you that you are. The same thing with with basketball, right? You, you know, if if you give me an opportunity to do a layup, uh, well, the next guy I'm pretty good at threes. But anyway. Uh, uh, you, you, <laughs> I'm just kidding, but if you give me an opportunity to do a layup, I'm probably going to make a higher percentage of those buckets than than if I'm you know than, than if I'm you know farther out. And so, distance it, it, it causes you to miss more. And James, what he's saying here, I believe he's saying, listen, we cannot change the fact that we're separate. There's nothing that we can do to change the fact. That, that, that there's a persecution, you know what I mean, where there's a lot of pressure. Um, but we can change, you know, the fact uh, of staying connected. And I'm just telling you this, that you can be separate, but yet still connected. Just like you can be surrounded by a hundred people here this morning, but be completely disconnected. There, there are people that, that feel so lonely, but they've got big families and they've got great churches that they're a part of but they don't feel apart. And so in the same way that you can feel disconnected in a large group of people, you can stay and remain connected. Come on, if there's if there's separation, it's possible because James is reminding them that, hey, listen, we've got the same spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives and dwells in me. Come on, we've got one voice. We've got we've got one vision. And with these things, come on, we can remind ourselves and remain Come on, connected. James is discipling those those church members, the church. He's discipling them and one of the key words. The root words of disciple is the word discipline. And I tell you what, if God just spoke anything to me, it was this that if we are to remain strong, we have to we have to find some discipline in our lives once again. You know, it's interesting how how you can just kind of start going through the motions, but yet not really being disciplined. Whatever it is that kind of whatever the way the wind blows, you know, you find yourself, you know, moving that direction. But I'm just telling you this, that God is calling us to be disciplined. And if you're undisciplined and you're careless, I'm telling you this, that you will lose sight of your calling. You'll lose sight of your calling and you'll live your life not reaching your purpose. And I'm reminding you all here today that God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Come on, James is correcting the church here. The church is jealous. They're grumbling. They're complaining. And guess what else the church is doing? They're comparing themselves one with another. That's what they're doing. And what is it that we do? We're separate you know, some of us have, you know, this whole COVID thing has affected it. You know, people, certain people more than other people because some people have lost their jobs. You know, they went from two incomes to one income. And then all of the sudden, with all the political mess that we just kind of gone through and is still kind of playing out, people are, are are separate, but yet they're paying attention. They're paying attention. What are people saying in their posts? And if their political view is completely different than your political view, or I can't even believe that they would, you know, that they would support that or they would say that. Now, all of a sudden, you know, there's more separation, right? You see somebody buying a brand new truck when you're having a hard time paying your bills and you're thinking, man, oh, man, what in the world's going on here? I deserve that truck. And so and so, uh, you know, he's correcting the church because they're jealous, they're grumbling and they're comparing. And I'm just saying this, that some of those same things are happening here today. James steps in and he reveals the root of the problem. I, I love this. James chapter four and verse one, it says this. You know what's causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Isn't it because there's a whole army of evil desires within you? He's saying, listen, it's not those other people that you're surrounded by. It's not that person that didn't say hello to you. Come on in that group setting when they said hello to everybody else. Come on. It's not that, you know, you were hurt by somebody else. But the problem really relies inside of you. And I'm just telling you this, that if you've got if you're in a bad way, instead of putting it off on being somebody else's issue and somebody else's problem, what I would encourage you to do is look inwardly because the problem is in you. In verse two, it says you want what you don't have, so you kill to get it. You long for what others have and you can't afford it, so you start a fight to take it away from them. Now, remember, church, he is talking to the church. He's not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to the church here. And so so you long for what others have. You can't afford it. And so you start a fight to take it away from them. And yet the reason that you don't have what you want is because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask God, you don't get it because your aim is wrong. You want it only for what will give you pleasure So you're looking around and you're you're seeing Facebook posts, Instagram posts, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, they're going to Mexico. They're taking all of these. I want one of those fruity drinks. They're taking all of these pictures on the beach and probably listen. Let me also remind you that there's probably a little bit of fighting and arguing in the midst of even that Mexico trip. And so it's not always as good as it's portrayed to be on social media. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, like uh, but, but here you are and you're just like, man, I, I'm a Christian and I love God just as much as they do. I'm taking my family to Mexico, but you had a hard time paying your light bill last week. And so we start looking at, at what everybody else has, and it, it does something evil within our heart. We're seeing whatever, like the blessings that other people are walking in, and it produces evil in our heart. And James is bringing this to the surface. And I'm just saying this, that, that there is a way... Come on to to not let this happen. And James is saying, listen, it's your responsibility to not allow this to happen. And that answer is that you must be thankful for what you have. And I'm telling you what, if you don't get anything else out of the message, take this away, that it's your responsibility right now to be thankful for what you have and stop looking Come on, at the at the film of what everybody else is playing. Come on, on their on their social media or 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 whatever else, you know, people are playing, because there might be a whole lot behind the scenes that you don't that you don't see. Be thankful for what you have. Come on, count your blessings like right now. You're like, Pastor, I just don't have much to be thankful for. I challenge you on that. I think that you've got more to be thankful for than, 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 than you're giving credit for. Come on. You, you know what? You might be saying, well, my marriage is a mess. Like, listen, your marriage might not be as good as the next person's marriage. But I'm telling you what, if you're married, it's a whole lot better than many people that have already called it quits on their marriage. Listen, she still says she loves you. He still says that he's willing to make it work. Right? Right? Come on, there's still hope because of who it is that you serve, right? Yeah. And, so, and so you might not have the best marriage, but you still have a marriage. Come on, you, you know, there might be a car or a pickup that you want. And you're just like, man, everybody else has these incredible, you know, pickup trucks, $60,000, $70,000 pickup trucks. Like, listen, you might not have that $70,000 pickup truck, but guess what? You've got a truck. You've got a truck. You know, you may have to put a quart of oil in that truck every week. But guess what? You've got a truck and that truck has been pretty reliable. It gets decent gas mileage and you've never been one of those guys that are stranded on the side of the road. You've got a truck. Like listen, you may you may not have the best job and you feel underappreciated. And you feel like everybody else is making more money at their job than than you're making at your job. But I'm telling you what, you've got a job. You've got a place that you can go to work every week. Come on, you've got a job that will pay, you know, at least a little bit extra, like some insurance and and vacation. You know, there are some people, folks, that don't even have a job and they would do anything to get your job. Right. You know what? You may not have the best kids. But you've got kids. And guess what? Those kids are in the house of the Lord. And while they might not be making the best decisions all the time, they're making decisions and they find themselves in the house of the Lord. This gentleman that just shared his testimony, Roy, I bet he would give anything to have his son back. You see, whenever we've got something that is huge, that is robbed from us, that is stolen from us, Then what happens is it brings into focus that all of the other things that we've been petty and messed up about really are not important at all. Why did we even waste time worrying about things that that were so superficial? Like, man, I would do anything to get my son back. There's nothing that I wouldn't give to make that happen. And so so we've got to be thankful, right? Right. We've got to be thankful. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse 16 says this. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, always give thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you what, when you give thanks, it prevents you from being jealous and having envy in your heart. Like if you're thankful for what it is that you have, when you're really thankful for what you have, then what happens is, is you're going to be able to celebrate when good things happen to other people. Right. See, when you're thankful, even as a church body, when I'm thankful for what God has done for me and for us here at Grace Church Then if there's another church that is being blessed and let's just say, man, they just blow up when I'm thankful for what God is doing here and I'm satisfied for what God is doing here, then guess what? I can celebrate what God is doing there. But when I'm not thankful, what happens is is I start envying and I get mad and I want what they have. And I'm like, listen, why isn't God growing this church? And why aren't we? Because I'm not thankful. Right. And so when I'm thankful, I can begin to celebrate The good things that happens to everybody else. And I'm just telling you, this is a litmus test. If you have a hard time celebrating other people's successes, you probably don't have Thanksgiving in your heart and you're not happy with what it is that God has done for you. And potentially you will not step into anything greater because you're not handling where you're at right now the proper way. That's a good word. I remember when my kids were real little and um, there was one, one year that Tina and I, we were like, man, we need to, we need to teach our kids, you know, th- to be thankful. And we always, you know, we got, you know, Tina's side of the family, my side of the family. You know, we always did a big job just to try to get the kids what they, you know, what they wanted as much as we could. You know, money was, was an issue, but they got a lot. They always They always got a lot. They got a lot more than a lot of kids. And so one year... You know, I was like I, I we gathered up the kids and we were like, listen, they opened all their presents and uh and and um, and then I said, Okay, everybody, you need to take one present and you're gonna take one present and we're gonna give it, we're gonna rewrap it, and we're gonna give it to, you know, some kids that we know that that may not have had near as good a Christmas, but you get a pick whichever present. That, and we made sure that there wasn't any of them that were like super cheesy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, hey, I, I don't want, I don't want these underwear. They can have the underwear, you know. <laughs> and so it was, it was a, it was a toy, and and I remember my kids, uh, all of them kind of had a little bit of a meltdown, but Tyler really, really had a meltdown. I remember he was just like, I don't, I love them all, you know. I love all of, all of my. My presence, and so, but we walked through that whole situation, and I'm just telling you this, that that all of my kids, uh, it's interesting how this works. All of my kids have compassion, but if I was to pick one of the kids that has the most compassion out of the three of them, it's Tyler, without a question. Tyler's the guy, and it's my money, so maybe it's easy to give it away, but... But Tyler was the kid that we're driving down the road and there's somebody, you know what I mean, homeless or or in need. And he's like, Dad, we got to go. Let's go buy them something. Or you go into a restaurant. We always had to buy something, you know, extra to give to to the person. And I really believe that a lot of that was from. You know, that just that that one exercise that we did. And so he had the hardest time, but now he's got such a huge heart of of compassion. I just love that. But I just want you to think about this. Listen, think about the fact that somebody else is praying for what you have right now. Like that thing, that part of your life that you just despise and you wish it was better. There is somebody that is praying that they had that right now. Come on, you're sick of those kids that don't mind. We already said it. There's a dad that would love to have his child back. That job, you're not getting paid enough or appreciated enough. There is somebody that is saying, listen, I would give anything to have that job, right? Somebody is praying for what you have. Your body, you know what I mean. Maybe you're chubby. You know, you're just out of shape. You don't feel good. You got aches and you got pains. There's somebody that doesn't have legs because they lost them in a war, and they're saying, "Listen, if I had your bo- your body as as out of shape and and and, and 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 in bad shape as it is, come on, if I had your body, I would go to work, and I would I would love to have what it is that you." You have, Right. So this is why I believe that every single person should serve on a mission trip, at least one mission trip, like you should go to a third world country because it will elevate the appreciation of what it is that you have. There's not one time that I've come back home and thought, man, I am God. Thank you so much that I was born in this great United States of America. But then it also surfaces the um, it it surfaces the responsibility because I start asking God, why was I so blessed to be born here? And the Lord has shown me it's because there's a responsibility you have to make a difference. Come on in some of these third world countries where they don't have much. And that glorifies me when you do that. Amen. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but here in the next week or so, we're going to take an offering and we're going to send every ounce of dollars, cents that we collect in that offering to about four different locations, just to say, listen, we're standing with you. Because I'm telling you this, that, 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 that if we think we're having it hard here, uh, I, I, and I'll share with you some more, more situations, but, but this pandemic has hit some of these third world countries even harder than it's hit here. So James is showing us here that the problem is not with others. It's with you. In James chapter four and verse four, it says this. You have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy I'm telling you when you flirt with the world's culture it begins to change your thinking it changes your thinking if you're messing around with horoscopes stop it come on if you're going to you know palm readers stop it if you're inviting what, what are those people called that come in your home Mediums. If you're inviting mediums to your, your house, stop it. These are the world's values, and you as a Christian should have absolutely nothing to do with any of that garbage. And, and what's crazy is, is James is saying, listen, if you're flirting with The world's values, if you're flirting, that means that there's not even been any action that has been taken other than what you allow to take place in your mind. And if you flirt with the world's values, then what happens is you set yourself at odds against God. James chapter four and verse four says this, does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. And I just want you to know this, church, we're getting ready to close here, but I want you to know that God desires you. He desires you. God absolutely desires you. And what I want you to do is I want you to stop wasting time. Because there's an urgency in our land. God desires you. So stop wasting time trying to diagnose everybody else. Stop wasting time trying to fix everybody else. Stop wasting time being critical as to what everybody else is doing. Let me ask you a simple question. I want everybody's eyeballs up here just real quick. Let me ask you a simple question. Do you have any sin in your life? Do you have any shortcomings in your life? Then why in the world are you going to get caught up focusing on what other people are doing or what they're not doing instead of using that valuable time? Come on, to get your heart right. Come on, to get your life in order. I think it's in the book of Matthew, and this is Travis's version, so you're not going to find this quotation. But it says this, Take the tree out of your own eye before you start messing with the weeds in other people's eyes. Right? Come on, you've got time. Quit wasting it on what other people are doing or not doing and use it, come on, to create intimacy and build, come on, a life that is God-blessed, God-fearing, and God-glorifying. Because I'm telling you, then you are prepared to help people and then you'll probably have a little bit more love and compassion but when you when you start just Looking at all of the things that you don't like, you become critical and there's no love and there's no compassion. And I'm telling you, James is warning us, come out from that place. It kills me, and I won't even spend a lot of time on this. It kills me in a funny way. When 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 my kids were little and there would be people that would say, My goodness, I would never let my kids do that, and they've not even had a child. They're not even married. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what's funny is time has gone by, and now you see them with their kids, and I'm like, oh, I remember. I remember. Boy, your kids are messed up just like mine were. Boy, you don't really have much control on them, do you? And then you've got other kids that are in different stages of life. Like maybe they got little kids and you've got teenagers by now. Boy, somebody just needs to drop the hammer on that kid. Boy, that, that kid, that would never fly in my house. I'm like, oh, really? Weren't you the same one that said that your little kids weren't going to be? Right? Crazy. We talk about things that we don't know anything about. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Can I just tell you this? A model prayer that we should pray is is honestly Just getting on our hands and our knees and saying, God, I am just an absolute mess. God, I can do nothing without you. God, I humble myself before you. God, I ask you that you forgive me of my sins and my trespasses. God, I pray that you give me the spirit of the living God that helps me to just be an overcomer, God. I'm tired of just continuing to wrestle and fight with the same things. But God, the truth is, is I don't even have strength in myself. Come on, to change my situation. God, my victory relies solely in you. God, I'm trusting that you're, going to, that you're going to take me from glory to glory. I trust you, God, that you're going to lead me. I trust you, God, that you're going to show me. Come on, God, I need you. I surrender to you. I submit myself to you. So that's one prayer. It's a prayer of humility, understanding that the only hope that we have is in Christ Jesus. Like you can't wake up tomorrow and just say, you know what? I'm going to be better. Because then you're going to be disappointed entering into the next day. Well, I missed it today. I'm just going to be better tomorrow. No, listen. What you need is you need the power of a living God coming into your life and changing you from old to new. Amen? And so that's our prayer. But when we're praying against the devil, we got a little, we got to get a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more serious. Devil, you have no place and no authority in my life any anymore. God, I don't come to you in the name of Travis. I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I am a son of God. And I've been blood-bought, born again, spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-driven. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall. Come on to your your lies anymore, right? There's two different types of prayer there. We go to God with great humility, saying, God, help me, lead me, guide me, give me what I don't have, but we take authority over the enemy. James chapter 4 and verse 11, this is the last verse. Dear friends, as part of God's family, never speak against another family member. Hmm. A whole series just right there. A whole series. How many churches have been divided because of divisiveness? How many churches have been started because of chatter and gossip? And oh, you didn't let me tell you. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden people can't even trust the church because the church is filled with untrustworthy people. Dear friends, as part of God's family, never. 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 I looked it up in the Greek and it means never, never speak against another family member. For when you slander a brother or a sister, you violate God's law of love. And your duty is not to make yourself a judge of the law of love by saying that it doesn't apply to you. But your duty is to obey it. There is only one true lawgiver and judge, the one who has the power to save and destroy. So who do you think you are to judge your neighbor? I'm telling you what, if we're going to close the distance, and especially in a tough time, the best thing that you can do is stick to love and leave the judgment up to him. Amen. Come on, we got to learn to love one another better. We've got to learn to be gracious to one another extend mercy and forgiveness to one another just a little bit better amen come on for us to stay unified in the days that are ahead of us it's going to take more work and more trust and more pursuing god and trusting that he will give us wisdom come on we're going to have to be more thankful in our hearts for where we are right now And being able to also dream just because you're thankful for where you are doesn't mean that you can't dream for a better tomorrow. But Paul said it's so good. Come on, I've been rich and I've been poor. I've been free and I've been a slave. But in all things, come on, I've been content. It's beautiful. How content are you right now? How content? And if you're not content, if you're not thankful, just say a prayer of repentance. Come on, God will speak to you. And he, will, and he will answer your prayer where you say, God, I'm so sorry. I've had my eyes on this person and that person and this family and that family. But, God, I just come to you and I just surrender to you. I am thankful because, God, I see the blessings all over my life. And I know that those blessings come from you because you are good. Amen. Amen. You guys received the word of the Lord today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap. Let me pray for you, and then we'll move on with the service. Lord, I just thank you so much for those that are here. And God, I pray for those that have come this morning. And, uh, and those, God, that, that have come and they are in a place where they need to make a decision. God, whether that decision be to surrender to you and invite you to be their Lord and Savior, or if it's just a decision to be thankful and to trust you in their current situation. God, I pray in the name of the Lord that those prayers would just go up right now. And God, I pray that you continue the work that you've started. God, I pray for more baptisms over the next several weeks, just like this morning we were able to baptize LaDonna. I pray an extra... Blessing over her as she represents somebody that, that that she represents so many people. I mean, I don't know the whole story, but Lord, somebody that has just come back to you and God, she is fired up. She is fired up for the things of God. And God, I pray that you use that fire that you put in her to ignite it in multiple other people. God, we surrender to you and we say yes to you right now. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Hold fast.
0: That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch.